0: A Better World. This is your host, Mitchell J. Rabin, and I'm very glad you're joining us again today. Today we're going to have another very interesting show. I have invited on a candidate for the city council position that Dan Gorodnik, who's been on the show a couple of times over time, uh, is running for, and that's Keith Powers, a really lovely young man here from the great part of New York City called Stuyvesant Town and Peter Cooper Village. And it's really a pleasure for me to have him on. Keith has a pretty outstanding background in having acted as Chief of Staff to Assemblymember Jonathan Bing. He drafted and worked on legislation there having to do with an Equal Rights Amendment to the New York State Constitution to prevent discrimination based on gender. He helped to institute a no-fault divorce in New York State, ending the state's reputation as the only state in the nation without it. Wow. Wow out of 50 states. Mm -hmm. How do you like that? Preventing the deregulation of rent-stabilized apartments, having to do, of course, with affordable housing for many of us New Yorkers. And As you know, here at A Better World, we really try to champion those people who are making a difference in the world. We don't care so much about Republicans and Democrats and everything else. We're focused on people who are making a difference. It's not party-affiliated. It's not party-aligned. It is affiliated, however, with people who are willing to stand up and uh, take a stand and make a difference according to just common sense, humane values and environmental values. So that's where we come from here. And uh, it really looks like Keith Powers is one of those few people who are making a difference in a way that really attracts us here at A Better World. So it's really a pleasure and an honor to have him on today and speaking about some of his agenda, what he's looking at Doing upon his If he actually does get elected Which is going to be taking place This election just this Tuesday November 7th here In the great city of New York So welcome Keith A pleasure to have you, you on A Better World
1: It's a pleasure to be here and thank you for having me And you did a good job describing some of the work I, I did And I look forward to having a more conversation About me and the election And things I'm looking to work on If I make it to the city council Absolutely, that's fantastic Yeah.
0: Now, you know what it would take me a long time and I don't want to take our time to lay out your entire profile because it's rather extensive and what it does is I love actually that you worked closely with Liz Kruger mm-hmm. she I think is a, an outstanding uh, politician during the time that she was so active and um, you know your credentials are to me impressive and it's Thank good, you. it speaks well of you, you, what your experience and background has been, so Oh, by the way, I meant to ask: Are you also an attorney, like so many politicians? I
1: did. I did my master's, not my JD. I made that decision a couple of years ago. I went to the CUNY Grad Center. I did political science, public policy, and thought that lent something to my background. Whether I was running an off front office or of government, Dan Garonic and others did the JD route, which you can fault them either. Both important ways to kind of advance your. Your, your thinking and your policy making if you make it to the to, to elected office.
0: Absolutely. Well, I've got to tell you, I actually prefer that someone good. is a master's, as I am too, uh, instead of a JD. Not that that's not a good background, obviously it is, but what it ends up is that we have a bunch of lawyers running Congress and running true. government, true. state and federal and you know, that could make somebody else slightly queasy if they don't have the kind of ethics that someone yep. like Dan Grodnick has, and unfortunately that's a little too rare, mm. and uh, he's, I'm, we're really a great fan of Dan's here mm. at A Better World. Me too. So listen, I'm so glad. Uh Let's kind of bear down and get into some of the, the brass tacks and get into the weeds here, Keith, about where you stand on a few things. And I know, but I want our audience. By the way, it's funny, because our audience is an international audience. It's national and international. Of course, we have people from you know the Big Apple yeah. who are listening, too. But you will be heard in, oh, God, Australia, mm. UK, you know, all over South Africa. It's kind of fun. That's and, uh, yeah, so maybe if you run for other offices yeah. in the future, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, we'll see what that all leads nice. to. But coming back to our wonderful city of New York, Um, one of, of course, the biggest issues is around housing. Mm -hmm. It's a very expensive city for so many people. There's, of course, an eroding middle class. Wages have not been going up for literally decades, and we are really hurting. If you are not of the 1% to 2%, um, then it's very difficult to get on. So what are you, of course, we've got rent stabilization in mm-hmm. place? Maybe rent control is still hanging on by a thread or two for a few mm-hmm. people, but You know, that wouldn't be fair to landlords, not that we have to be that concerned for them, but we do have to be concerned because they're people, too, and they deserve to earn a living. But there's got to be a middle ground. I'd like to hear what you have in mind for addressing
1: that. Sure, and thank you. And I I would consider housing one of those bread-and-butter issues where if you don't have a good place to live, everything else doesn't really make sense or doesn't really matter at that point in time. And in this city, particularly with 65,000 or so homeless right now, we know that that we that'll a, be
0: our next issue. That'll be our next,
1: yeah. So that we know that that's gonna, this is an issue that for all income brackets is starting to matter in a real way. Where we live in Stuyvesant Town, Peter Cooper, it was really the – the symbol of middle-class housing for years. World War II, veterans come home, they have this neighborhood where you have a guaranteed nice apartment with good open space nearby, good schools, and a community of, I would say, really middle-class families. And, uh, and we've really, over the last few years in New York City, become a city for the very low and there's a, just a place for those who are low-income. And then really, in Manhattan especially, almost a playground for the rich where it is getting incredibly difficult. There 's two parts of this, I think, one is the job aspect, which i 'm glad you noted, because it 's not just the cost of uh, the apartment it 's whether you have the income to actually afford it. So in New York City, I think we have to continue to create good paying jobs and look for ways that we can move people through the different income ladder, the ladder of different incomes so that they have a, they can afford the rent that we 're creating for them. I do think still that rent regulation at its most rent stabilization, at its most basic tenant, which is that you have some guaranteed sense of that you're going to have what your rent increases are going to look like every month and some guaranteed tenant protection. Or every year. Or every year, I mean, yeah. yeah sure. um, that, uh, you know, and you're going to be sort of stabilized in that way where you have guaranteed tenant protections. That should be funda-
0: Certainty. certainty. It's certainty.
1: It's certainty. Totally. I, I think that we should not necessarily have those who are just, the group, like some old, like the long-term tenants who have that, and then a group who doesn't. I think really everybody should have some certainty over basic tenant protections, basic sort of sense of what their rent increases look might look like year after year. So I don't think we should be. I think we actually should be going back and looking at whether we should be adding more basic protections to all tenants. But I think really in this city right now, it is a creation. Oh, so you mean even so-called market I th- I mean, value? I mean, I, I, we don't actually ever talk about this. Isn't I, I not I, I think as a city, we actually almost moved away from the idea that every tenant should have some basic set of protections that are not just embedded in – we have laws, obviously, that it covers every tenant, but that we should have some basic tenant protections that already apply to a whole group of tenants here. Hallelujah. Yeah. I mean, I think that that, that would give – at least a family who moves into a neighborhood now in Manhattan, the stability of knowing that they can do long-term planning here and not be harassed by their landlord or something like that.
0: And not only that, you know, job instability is at an all-time high. Yeah, that's true. And when you look at what's going on uh, technologically with robotics, with artificial intelligence, with a lot of different variables that we cannot control – job stability is true, as I said, at an all-time low. So even those people who are making a lot of money, let's say, relatively speaking, right now, and they're in some nice place, that may be short-lived. And if they have a family, as you're suggesting, they deserve protection as well.
1: That's right. That's right. And and so every we want every neighborhood. I I want at least every neighborhood. I like that idea. Um, you know. I, well, I I I think that we are now having debates on the margins more than talking about some of our central principles around housing because it does correlate to everything else. And even, as you say, the people who are getting these good-paying jobs, not only do they have instability, but if they, can't, if they over the long term feel like they can't raise a family here, they're taking their skill set and going somewhere else. So it's really, to me, everything flows through To this. the burbs. To the burbs. Or maybe even to another city where they say, I'm going to go work somewhere else and do it for my own company, a startup. Uh, or something, something mm-hmm. to that. Um, mm-hmm. So those, that's the basic thing. The other thing in the city right now is as we're creating new housing and we are trying to put affordable housing into it, we want to make sure that people can actually afford the rents that we're offering to them, and that it's not just for you know, it's not just for the middle. The low has a The low income individuals here in New York City have an opportunity to stay here as well, and it's really broad because I think what we used to define as the middle class in New York City that number has really, that income level, that sort of characteristics have really moved. And even two-income families who make what we would think would normally would be good-paying jobs don't feel like they can raise a family here. So, In other words, we have to make sure that affordable is actually affordable. It's so, not, just a not just a buzzword bandied right. about by politicians. That is totally right. And so I think, again, with housing is always – going to be the number one issue here in New York City and probably in other places too, because yeah. you, go, you go to, you got to see it's property taxes or something else, but here in New York City, it's making sure that affordable means affordable, and that it's affordable to a lot of different people, no matter where, what neighborhood you're in or, you know, what your income is.
0: It's very good thinking, and so my question is, do you have, have you already formulated any kind of proposal yeah. uh, to address this, let's say, all-out panoramic view of affordability and stability for all income groups
1: i think that so the the not to take a step in a different direction but the the unfortunately for a lot of the housing laws in new york city as if i'm if i'm a city council member we still go to albany our state capital, to get them passed which yes. is which is basically one of these things in government where uh the local body doesn't get to make really important decisions around the way that we govern but uh, nevertheless, one of the things that we have talked about in my campaign is really giving seniors more certainty. You know, so, expanding certain protections around seniors, around rent freezes, and our programs we already have, because they are. Particularly once you retire, vulnerable, vulnerable, yes. And so I know that even as a young person, uh, I'll be hopefully working and can staying employed for the future. But for people who are really looking to, you know, I want to, spell want to slow down now. We want to make sure that we have programs. A program that's called Scree right now, which is a which is basically a rent freeze for seniors. That's a fantastic program. It's a great program, and it's we want to make sure that we are always making continuing to Im- increase the amount of. Of, of income and rents that makes it eligible for people, and just to expand the footprint of it because that gives a lot of seniors a certainty that even as their income grows in a very hot market in New York City, sorry, the rent grows in a very hot market, mm-hmm. they will have some stability. The um, the other things we talked about a lot is maybe getting away from some of the ways we're looking at housing right now, which is let market rate housing go first and then let affordable housing go second, and really doing more mandatory affordable housing in all new projects. It's a little radical. It's a little radical because it's you're really, it's really you're really like the market is not necessarily driving the housing housing market then, but the free market's not driving it. But we, we want to. You mean of-
0: if you bring up the role of affordable affordability yeah. in every new real estate
1: project and development well, I think, I is think that we're right right now we have a program where we give tax breaks to people in Manhattan or other parts of the city to build new buildings and, and to and developers to developers yes yeah. and we make it's a trade off that we make which is that um, they have to build like 20% now it's 30% of affordable housing oh. and then we have to define what is that income um, what that means right um, the other way you could do it is instead of giving the tax breaks out and spending the money is you could actually start saying in all projects of a certain size, we're going to ask for you to build affordable housing in it. Maybe we'll help subsidize part of it. So it's not a total drain on somebody who's developing um, and, and, and just have a, a clear balance to me that in all these new projects, whether you take a tax fix or not, that we are actually creating affordable housing for folks. And,
0: and, you know, there's a funny thing that, is occurring to me as you're speaking Keith which is <laughs> you could say the sociological aspect of the fact that we have rent stabilization for some yeah. and market value for others in fact i remember new york magazine did a did a cover story on this act many years ago yeah where you know one person in was paying you know $1200 for a one-bedroom apartment, and right next door, they had someone else walking into their apartment, and they were paying $3,400 for exactly the same apartment. And the tensions that that creates, Mm -hmm. you could say, per building and even per floor and per neighbor. And that is something that, you know, it's not the biggest problem, but it's also pointing a finger at the injustice that Mm -hmm. is inherent. And I'm going to take one moment and just say, underneath all law and legislation is a mindset. And this is where uh, someone in the field of psychology and counseling and coaching comes from, which is why is the so-called real estate developer and landlord always looking to maximize Mm -hmm. and we're always looking to minimize? And you've got this intense polarity between New Yorkers That I'm suggesting maybe there's a middle ground in consciousness, you know, Mm -hmm. in ourselves before we battle it out with legislation. I don't know. This is a new... Talk about radical. (laughs) This is another way of looking at the whole thing, and that actually brings up one of the subjects I wanted to discuss with you, which is this idea of self-governance across the board, having to do with even littering in the streets or
1: subways.
0: How do we... I would love to see someone in city council, Keith, stand up for and champion this idea of, come on, guys and gals, we're adults. And if the adults have children, so teach the children the way we want the city to be and the way we want to be as leaders in our city. So, yes, there's legislation that enforces, mm-hmm. but can't we enforce in ourselves
1: yeah, Your it's thought. a great it's a great question because government sort of and good point about the underlying nature of all this because really government relies on people sort of believing in it and and obeying the laws and and because you, you won't have enforcement yeah. everywhere so you think about something rule like of law. a rule of law and people's sort of respect for law. And the idea that you only govern, you're only governing really with the consent of the people, no matter what Very it may true. feel like at times. Um, and the littering is actually a great question, a great actual issue, because I, I've actually thought about that issue before, where you don't see people walk around New York City necessarily. You do see litter and you see trash, yeah. but you don't see. People don't actually have a benefit. I mean, when you think about it, people don't actually have an incentive to actually wait until they, they actually, people have an incentive just to throw something on the ground, but yet people don't necessarily do that. They, for the most part, walk yeah. around, wait for the trash, same. and throw it out. Right. Yeah. So, see, people people have, I think, do follow this sense of sort of duty, but then you have a group of people who don't, and this sort of responsibility, you know, for keeping your own city clean or, you know, taking care of basic needs. And this, that same mindset goes all the way through the th- threads of government. Yeah. I know we'll talk about homelessness, but, like, really what is our duty to our city and the people in it? What is the duty to our neighborhoods, and sort of how do we think about this? And I think that a lot of the core issues we talk about in government and politics are really actually st- – Starting point question. Some people believe, like we talk about development, people should. Some people believe somebody should have the f- ability to get a full profit on something, and others believe there should be some regulations and regulatory uh, framework right. for doing it. So well,
0: regulations you know. are get so thorny, and yet I understand. You know, yeah. I, I sometimes have told people that I'm a libertarian. Yeah. In an ideal world, you know, we would be self governing. You know, yeah. it's actually yeah. an ancient Chinese idea self-governance came to us in one form through the famous poet in the 750 B.C. named Lao Tzu who wrote the Tao Te Ching, or Mm. spoke it, I should say. It's just very interesting, and this actually brings up another idea, which is that we're not just reinventing government all the time. Mm. There's an entire historical antecedent to these same very questions right. of the rich and the poor and can we come up with some moderate middle way you understand yeah, and I'm these sure. are these are almost theological questions yeah. they are these are ethical and moral questions and i would like to see our city officials speaking on this level to us and i'm going to give yeah. you a quick example yeah. and then i'm going to listen more yeah. but that is to say that Stuyvesant Town, interestingly, and their property management team mm-hmm. have instituted some version of what I'm talking about. It's called the Good Neighbor Policy, right? And they are Rick Hayek and the others are doing this wonderful job of a PR campaign to say, "Hey, everybody, we all live here together. Right, right. Let's take good care of the place." And it sets a tone, Keith, totally. that I think is wonderful, yep. and I would love to see. That happens citywide.
1: I I love the idea, by the way, because I think we are all neighbors, whether it's on the it's in the actual neighborhood or it's on the subway. And I do think that we all right New Yorkers. That, we're all New Yorkers, and I think only in these moments where something bad happens do we all sort of unite, rather than on a day by day basis looking at each other and saying there's humanity here. Although I am a believe I'm an eternal optimist here, and I am a believer that's actually the fewer who are really the bad actors, and then the then the the, the, the bigger population but they can really ruin it for everybody so even we agree yeah yeah even in the even (laughs) you know you could have you can live on a floor with you know eight apartments on it or ten apartments on it and it just takes one person to play the music really loud and it ruins it for everybody so the collective good is always hard to find but as a city i do think that and i think in local governments we get bogged down to the politics and the policy we do Forget sometimes to take a step back and really talk about what it means to be an ethical human being and what it means to take care of each other and how to live that out every single day. Even basic stuff like hold the door for somebody, be talk to people, say hello. I think that that sort of as New Yorkers, especially, we move so fast that we sometimes don't slow ourselves down and just say, "Let me take three seconds to do something that would be helpful to somebody else." And um, I think there's almost there almost could be a city pride, a New York pride. In New Yorkers taking care of each other and their and their you know yeah, and visitors exactly.
0: their environment and, yeah
1: wow, there could be yeah. a
0: good citizens award yeah. or as a, yeah. a way of commemorating because as you're implying. The fact is that most people all over New York are really pretty fantastic people, and they are responsible, and they will wait till they get to a waste paper basket, you know, a bin, to dispose of of litter. Um, And in general, I, I sometimes marvel as I ride my bicycle all around town at how well the city works. Yes. And as you were saying, there are a few bad apples, a few bad actors, and we don't want our entire city to be revolving around that right. lowest common right. denominator, but rather emphasize an uplift, if you will, in the spirit and the tenor
1: right. of
0: the culture of New York. So
1: yeah. is
0: this a good so, conversation to I think, have? I think it's great. I
1: think as a city, we should be proud of the city we live in and the neighborhoods and the people that make up it. And I think that, again, i remember, I not to bring up a, a, a moment that was a really tough time in our city's history, but if you remember after September 11th, I found there to be so much civic pride yes, and so indeed. much neighborhood pride and people really... And, by the way, and we know why it was a really difficult moment in our city and our country's history. Yes. But you saw what I think is the best of New York City after the worst moment that ever Whereas people really took a moment to take care of each other. And I think in you know Hurricane Sandy, I mean, it's these bad moments That's that right. we see people really rise and shine. But I, I do want to – I do, would love to see New York really be – Um, on an everyday basis, more, more, uh, more active around, you know, helping each other out and being positive. And I think it's part of just the fast paced nature of New York city that people feel like other people are rude to them when actually it's really, you know, two people are trying to get on the subway at the same time and they're all trying to get to work on time. So sometimes the pace of our city hurts that feeling. Um, but I, but I I do like the idea of any big city like New York or anywhere really, um, having these sort of public campaigns to do better, to help each other, and just to sort of put like put a smile on your That's face when right. you go to work. Yeah, yeah.
0: So just analogous to what we have right here in our wonderful yeah. community, yeah. of Stuyvesant Town yeah. and Peter Cooper, um, of the good neighbor policy, is that something that you would consider I love it. promoting. Yeah. I mean, here you are, a Stuyvesant Town yeah, Peter Cooper yeah. resident, yeah. right? So, you know, in three generations, as I recall, so – Would that be something you'd be willing as a
1: city council member to bring forward? Totally willing, and I think I would have to think about some exact places to do it, but I would talk about, like, uh, you know, know, I was in my campaign, and I have to admit I didn't do it, but we were talking about really having, like, one day a week where we're just sort of promoting people like, You know, holding the door for each other or doing something else like an action of the day. Yeah. Because you feel like, I think, in the back of people's minds, if you just sort of remind them every now and then, just to take a little more time for people when they had when their instinct is to go one way they'll actually swerve and do the right and do something a little bit nicer i think you're just reemphasizing to them like we do here just take just like take the minute take the take That's a couple right. seconds and um, right. remember that you live in a big community whether even though in our case it's like a 9 million person community so yeah. That's um, okay. You know so feel like feel like this is your home treat it exactly. like it's your home
0: treat it like your right. home exactly
1: yeah I love, exactly. I love it i love it on
0: that note let's move on to Homelessness. That's adjacent, anyway, to what we're talking about with affordable housing. Mm -hmm. Um, What do you say? By the way, uh, while I'm not a great fan of Mayor Bill de Blasio, Mm -hmm. quite honestly, Mm -hmm. uh, at the same time I like giving credit where credit is due, Mm -hmm. and he did roll back the rent stabilization for a couple of years. As far as I'm concerned, it should have kept, kept going, Where because we've been so... Um, hatcheted yeah. for so many years, and I really like Mayor Bloomberg too, yeah. except for his housing policy. Yeah. He, We were pillaged, and all of that, need, I, from my point of view, needs to be rolled back. Yeah. I don't think it's going to happen, but I am grateful for what has happened, and I want to give Mayor DePosito yeah. the credit for having really stood up for that.
1: I agree, and, and for the unacquainted i guess really in new york city the mayor has some control over what the rent increases for the rent regulated tenants are are every single year he has you know he appoints the people to the panel and uh, and this so mayor the board. rent stabilization board right and in under mayor bloomberg a lot of good things he did but he really didn't look at keeping the rents down for those who really need it uh, like those in our neighborhood and and this mayor has done a fantastic job he really has. Uh, advocating for being more pro-tenant, the the real issue I think around homelessness, why it's risen over the yeah. last you know even twelve or more years, is the the housing is a big part of it. There's there it's a, it's a when we talk about a population as big as sixty thousand, sixty-five thousand, you're talking about a lot of subgroups within that. There's obviously there's a thirty percent of it are working poor people who are employed who have jobs that don't make don't make enough money. They can't afford the rent. It's actually a third, almost a third. One in ten of uh, – one of ten public school students is now homeless. Our number is at an all-time high. Um, we So we know when we have a particular focus uh, group of schools that are, high, are housing the highest – really the highest amount of cluster schools, basically, that are housing a lot of students. So um, we have students who've, who have done nothing, and they are – they're innocent. Uh, and not saying he's guilty, but to say that they have not – they have not. They are young, and they are hoping to have a future, and that's a bright future. And mm-hmm. are living in a homeless shelter, or have have another situation where maybe they're, they're doubling up with a family, other family. So we are in a an important moment. The to me, it's been the cost of housing going up in New York City, um, not having enough tenant protections for people who are on the verge of homelessness, and we also ended some assistance programs for those who are lower income New Yorkers in the last probably. 10 or so years, that really helped people who were just about to, you know, lose an apartment because they couldn't afford it. Uh, We really ended the the city and the state ended some of those voucher programs. So we not only were we getting really motivated that, you know, those politics and spending. And um, I think part of it was the sort of politics in Albany, which we have a, a, you had a under Governor Pataki, a, not a pro tenant governor. You didn't have a pro tenant state senate. Uh, the city didn't upkeep those programs either. So I think that Silver Bruno I at mean, all. Yeah, and I think and I think even if you in Albany, let's say, have one of the houses up there believing tenants should have this right, you need all, you need three different parties or more even at times to to make a deal on this stuff. So it there was always it's you know to me politics got in the way of serving people. Oh, yeah. in this regard. And so and then and then it's those people who didn't That's do their so sad it's it very sad to
0: go too often. Right,
1: and we forget the human nature of homelessness and we forget that yes. uh, our policies have real life impact and playing politics with people's lives is uh, is an awful thing to do. Bad news. Bad news. So in the city, I think that the mayor himself as admitted, he was very slow to react to the, the growing problem of homelessness, and I think has not I think still needs to set more ambitious goals about how we are going to decrease the number, stop more people from going into homelessness, and do a long-term reduction. I think you know his numbers are still to me not ambitious enough. But at least he's now actually addressing that, the idea that he's got to, we have to do more. So we want to push that agenda. Bit, as it's as it's one of my priority issues. It's, it's it's for a lot of reasons. One is I people all the time are, are noting that they see a, a, a tick in, or a high tick in homelessness. Um, others, yeah. yeah, there's an uptick, and I think people are noticing it. Yeah. So for so the average New Yorker, they feel like this is an important issue to address. And for a lot of people, I think just even the – who is mm-hmm. either needs needs real treatment because there is a population out there that has mental health or substance abuse issues, and mm-hmm. so they need to be put brought somewhere and helped with, with real with real services here. Um, and we have the people in the city to do that. And the second part of it is for those who are working or are sending their kids to public schools and are really trying to do what we are asking them to do. Our, perhaps as a society, we're not living up to our end of the bargain here either. So um, I think that there's a lot of different constituencies all wanting to see homelessness be addressed to me in the, if I'm in the, lucky enough to be in the city council, this is like a top issue for the city, maybe the top issue for the city. Really good to hear. Uh, and so it's 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 building more housing, it's building even in public housing right now, giving some more priority to people who are home who are homeless right now, and then being innovative. We're going to have to find ways to be more creative. Obviously, raising the the cost of I mean the wages and then for those who are working, uh, for those who are not trying to get them on track to either get a job or get a home. So it's not a one-size-fits-all for a population that big. It's not really a lot of subsets that you got to spend a lot of time Very
0: true. Yeah. And there are it's costs involved. Uh, is it true, Keith, that the city is housing lots of homeless people because of the explosion in the shelters in expensive hotels?
1: It, it's sadly true. It's sad for a lot of reasons. It means that we don't have enough space for people for the growing population. It also means we're spending a lot of money for housing people, and the image of it for people is bad it's, you're putting You're putting people into hotel rooms that can cost x amount of dollars, four hundred or five hundred dollars a night at a time. oh my god i, I it's a It's bad optics. And um, even if you at any point thought it was the right idea to the to the regular member of the public, it's it looks awful. It looks bad. Awful. And, right. Right. And so it is true. I, I believe that the administration is ending a number of those programs. But the but the counter of this is that when and this is the difficult nature of this issue mm-hmm. is that people protest the use of temporary places to put them but also rarely support the long-term. In the, not in my backyard. Not either. in my backyard, right. And so it is – by the way, it is – I don't know if there's a such thing as YIMBY. Yes, in my backyard. But I think people <laughs> have to say – have to accept yeah. the idea that there are going to have to be some places where you're going to have to – you know, it's going to be difficult, but you're going to have to take it. And it's up to the city and the elected officials to, to, to make sure that, it is, you know, that we, can, we can make communities – Get get on board with it, but but it, you know we can't sort of have it both ways either, where we are saying no to temporary places and no to permanent places. That's actually the real true difficulty of this issue, is that no community is really opening their, their arms and saying we will house the homeless, we will let you build shelters, we will build social services here, and so we end up in these really difficult, difficult scenario and in a pickle and sort of yeah thing, and then yeah. and then you have i mean let's just face it you have politicians like well i'm running for elected office who who have to respond who, who who I mean are hearing from their constituencies often consternation about this and then have to weigh you know all these politics of you know of the of the moment and so what my point is is sometimes elected officials have to go beyond just the politics of it and really, and and this is one of those like courageous moments you have to have. Yes. Where you have to say, you know what, we'll will we'll say yes, or we'll say we won't say no, even if it's, we won't say no. So, but it's a difficult issue.
0: Politicians need to always go by, past politics. That is right. Politics that is right. Slows that is right That is it true. Has that is true. 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 That is true politics.
1: That's true. And I I wish,
0: you studied masters, you have a master's in political science. I wish there would be more science in the domain of politics instead of just the way things go. Mm, You know, backroom dealing, etc. But I want to present, because A Better World is very into Mm -hmm. uh, solutions, um, a couple of things in Mm -hmm. the space that we're discussing. One, I want to just say, as a policy, I understand, because I've spoken to police officers Mm -hmm. about this, when I've said, my God, look at these Guys, they're sprawling out all over the street. They're actually in the way of pedestrians walking, right. let alone it's completely unsightly right. and totally inappropriate right. for these people to have their mattress or their pillows and sprawled out all over Union Square and right. and all the adjacent areas. And he said, can't do anything about it. I said, oh, really? Why is that? He said, this is de Blasio's policy. We can't touch them. We can invite them to a shelter, but we cannot... Right move them. And I am actually, to tell you very truthfully, against that policy. I think it is making a menace. It is degrading and devolving our entire New York City community. And I want to see these people treated properly. Don't get me wrong. Absolutely. But it cannot be and it should not be a battle fought out on our streets as we are walking and living our lives You shouldn't have to be subject to all of this. It's a very difficult and very sensitive situation, I understand. I want to bring up I want to hear what you have to say, but I also want to bring this up and hear what you have to say about this too. Which is, there is an enormous stock, as you well know, Keith, of of buildings that have been foreclosed upon, that are empty, that are abandoned, that are squatted, all over the city. They're just sitting there. They're eyesores, Mm -hmm. they're the rat population is growing immensely. Mm-hmm. They're not healthy on any level. Yet, they're actually a structure yep. that could, at way lower cost than building – not in all cases – of yeah. building new, um, how about putting some city money into fixing these up? I've got to tell you, during Giuliani's time, I was thinking, because my background is in holistic psychology, stress management, and holistic health. I was eyeing a couple of these buildings over here in the East Village, and I was thinking, you know, I could turn one of these into a holistically oriented, naturally oriented health um, building. Like, sort of like a holistic hospital. I don't like the word hospital, but that kind of idea where we can take the homeless and give them a place to live and get them healthy and self-responsible and self-governing and educated, et cetera, et cetera, and have an entire, and we could grow hydroponics and aeroponics on the roof, and we could have it solarized, and we could have a thing that's actually going to be a model and self-sufficient and self-sustaining for not only our city, but for cities across the country. Anyway, you yep. see thinking it's not that yeah. hard. There needs to be a political will to make it happen. There needs to be
1: and and, and money too. I mean, the part and of it's AM, right? no and, and it is money. Yeah, right. And I wish you had done your your dream here. It sounds yeah. like it'd be a great place. Yeah, uh, right. Um, you're right. I mean, I'd invite you. Yeah, <laughs> I appreciate. It. I uh, we'll do the, from the this next time from there. Yeah, um, yeah. So I think it's political will. It's the money to actually do this. It's um, finding out locations, but we can find them. The and it improves the neighborhood, too. And it improves the neighborhood, too. And I think that the city, actually, for affordable housing particularly, as I said earlier, not, has to, not, not only has to be doing a sort of market-driven approach where it's like, we'll give you tax dollars to build a new building, but it is looking at acquiring space, talking to people who already have space and say, we will put money in to get you a, get you a tenant and get somebody who will pay the rent. And a lot of other things, I think the city-owned property, many of us feel... Is an opportunity that's not being used. Full, used, full and fully explored, and I think that you may see. You know, I, I have actually advocated for some of the city services and agencies to actually move outside of Manhattan to let to least expensive, less expensive neighborhoods mm-hmm. because you would save some money for the city, yeah. but you could convert some of the existing property into either housing or something else in a in a more uh, a more you know cost efficient cost, yeah, way. Yeah, yeah, so, nothing wrong with that. Yeah. You know.
0: All of the homeless people in New York City don't have to live in Manhattan. It's that is hard enough true. for yeah. us to live in Manhattan. Yeah. You know what I mean. And and we have to get over the prejudice of oh, you're not treating us properly. Come on. Yeah. We're giving you housing, yeah. but it's not going to be at Times Square. Okay. You know I, I wouldn't want to
1: live in Times Square anyway. So I'm not I, I, be. I mean, yeah. I know. I know, I know. Yeah. For yeah. That yeah.
0: But you understand. Yeah.
1: Right? And for and for the and and there's actually a debate right now. I think in the city. About as we're as you're prioritizing the building of shelters. About whether this is actually an interesting debate mm-hmm. about whether we should be prioritizing um, neighborhoods that are of like origin for the people who are homeless. So is it the neighborhood that like they they call their last residence? Oh. Should that be their priority for building shelters and placing people, or should it be sort of go wherever we can build? Uh, and, and it's an interesting debate yeah. because you um, you want to try to keep people connected to their communities as much as you possibly can. We yeah. can't be, but and yeah. for students, you want to try to keep them in schools where they're already going, so there's not a That's detachment true. from the Consumacy. community, right? There's also this other debate going on at the same time about sh- the, sort of uh, who sh- what neighborhoods should be receiving. It's a, kind of connected, but it's like they call it fair share, which is about whether there should be a cap on how many like city-owned facilities, whether it's a sanitation garage or it's a homeless shelter, can be sited in one neighborhood. And some advocates, like the Coalition for the Homeless, for instance, say we should be able to build anywhere because we just want to be able to house people. And others say, well, we want a certain limitation on uh, how many. Where? where. How many where. Yeah, yes. exactly. And it's an interesting argument because I, it, sure. it, it it really actually – Puts people who normally are like-minded into different ca- camps and categories. So um, these are actually the debates we're going to be having, I think, in the next couple of years in the city about not just sort of should we be doing more services for the homeless, but or, and others, but should but like how are we actually going to do it? How we implement How we going to implement it? And, looking
0: and, and, at actual yeah, geography. Yeah, and that's actually
1: the that's actually like policymaking at its true core, which is you know. Once we once you agree, actually trying to come up with the real policy to implement.
0: Yeah. So exactly. it's
1: interesting. It'll be interesting debate. I think in the next couple of years. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. Let's go back yeah. to I actually unfairly merged two ideas. The other one had to do with the location of homeless people on the street. Yeah. And how that acts as a a real drag on the enjoyment, which is supposed to be our right, right. 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 our enjoyment
1: of the city sure and you you know something i hear a lot which is that people are walking on the street even nearby here and there's uh you know a a sort of corner that you don't want to walk past you might cross the street because it either feels unsafe or there's a feeling like there's you know a number of people who are you know calling that home tonight and so, you know, maybe some people feel like it's an unsavory element and um and I think you're right in the, the sense,
0: Southeast corner of Fourteen. I, 14, I know I was, I, was, I, don't I, was, know I know why. exactly what corner <laughs> you were talking about.
1: Um and, and you get that actually corner for instance comes up all the time. Yeah. And that maybe isn't the perfect location, but in other parts of this district you I hear similar concerns and there is a universal theme under well, not a universal, but there's a pretty consistent theme, which is that vacant storefronts become a real haven for people to you know sleep or hang out, and or you know because because there's no there's no commercial actor there who's got to get in and get out it's a it's a covered you know it's a covered and it's
0: vacant it's, it's vacant
1: up, right and that right. and and this they're not they're not 100% connected but my point being that we have a small business I crisis in this city right now this, and, I like this. and if we did solve exactly. Keeping people into small businesses, you would see the places by which people could sort of hang out, and part of it, by the way, is also I've noticed diminish. you would yeah. see you diminish and the ability to feel like you can do that and you can do it for the long term and almost like settle into a certain location. You would see that diminished. But the um, one of the things we noticed too, I You're think, totally that, right.
0: These are interconnected completely. Yeah,
1: there's there's and a, this
0: is another issue, another item on my list oh, okay, good. to ask yeah. you about. So I'm glad okay. you naturally into Yeah, crazy.
1: and um, so my, my last point would be that, I, and I also think there's certain locations, 14th Street is probably one of them, where uh, when being near transit is helpful, too, because, you know, to a degree you are trying to, you know, get around uh, at any point, even, mm-hmm. you know, however you're funding it, um, you know, to get to other services or get to other neighborhoods. You know, you getting right off the subway, you might just say, I'm going to stay, I'm going to go here for the time being. So we've noticed, I think, in yeah. in in research that Um, You know, just certain areas are more attractive because of particularly, you know, either they're either near critical services or they're near subways or transportation.
0: Absolutely. So what then? How would you interface? And I know this is a very delicate thing, Yeah. you know, because some people say they have a right to be there and, you know, they're – Citizens like anybody else but yeah. completely true, Yeah.
1: yeah. except
0: it's – trade. there we go back to the denominator, the lower denominator, and I'm not saying as human beings. Right. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that what is for the common good, the public good? Should all of us suffer because there happens to be a few people who are homeless yeah. in percentage, and we don't like it? any more than they do, and truly sympathize and empathize, but does that mean that it has to be populating our streets where these are our thoroughfares? We are living right. our lives and working diligently at affording our lifestyles, yep. and, um, and that's a whole grade, you a know, whole pay scale in itself, so why should we have to suffer? That? Yeah, no, know that
1: is the eternal debate right now I think about um Where do little, you stand uh, with Yeah, that? look, I mean I think the answer is no. I mean I think nobody should be walking on the street and feeling like like if I lay down in the middle of the sidewalk right now, I would hope that somebody would move me um <laughs> yeah. and I would I would give I would give anybody the right to do so. Um, but but i and I think that I think that this is I don 't actually truthfully don 't know the solution off the top of my head because i mean i don 't want to see us starting to arrest homeless people in the not oh,
0: think arrest well
1: yeah, but obviously they should be complying with uh, any sort of local law or any sort of local regulation really? about you know what space you can take up on the sidewalk, and I think police officers. Uh, should be at least enforcing that part of it, which is that you cannot be, you know, uh, you know, obstructing. obstructing. And the other thing I'd say is if there is a corner or a street or a, a property where it feels unsafe then we do want to have a police presence around there. Or we want, you know, when we definitely we want to make businesses just be open so that there's like light on the street and people feel like they're safe on it. Um, but the, the minimum the police's job here is to maintain the safety of the people that live around there. So we have to definitely continue to invest in like street outreach from the city to have a street outreach program to make sure people feel like you can go get a warm meal somewhere. You can go get services. They will deny it in some cases, and some will accept it. Um, Build. Also, the other thing is the safety of the shelters that we are building Mm -hmm. and we have is actually, I think, a reason why a lot of people are taken to the streets. I mean, there should never be a choice that I could be inside in a shelter and I decide that the streets of New York City are somehow safer for me. Um, That is an issue you hear from a lot of folks. So I think improving safety of the shelters – um, when we, as we are building ones, making sure they are safe and secure, and they have the right services in them. But then, at some point, obviously our, our NYPD and our our security here needs to make sure that they are policing these areas. No legal obviously no illegal activities. Love of oh, that that are, would be really concerning. But even basic obstructions have to be dealt with. And and we are looking towards both uh, uh, NYPD and then also those who work for the homeless shelter system who do street outreach to be telling people. This is a uh, you're like you're like you're obstructing an entire corner here. I will say though, this you, the, the response on that will be varying, and um, we can expect there will be some public safety incidents when there's a sort of this interaction. So um, you know we have to also we have to make sure that uh, anybody who's in an that interaction feels like they'll be safe and secure in that as well.
0: I have written uh, Bill De Blasio several letters about this homelessness policy. And it is with big heart that I write that. Yeah. But yeah. it's also for big heart for all of us. Yeah. Ninety nine percent of this population that deserves to be able to yeah. have an aesthetically pleasant experience in going to the subway or yep. going to shop at Trader Joe's or wherever right, right. and right now that's not the case.
1: And you feel and, and the even the, three, even the street even the street corner you brought up is re- That's repeat. I mean, you hear the same things from people when you talk to. I talked to so many people today that you hear the same thing. So that's when you really know it's true when you hear it. You know, from three, four, five, six, seven people, right? And they all say the same thing. So, um, so, one thing I'll say for your elected, for anybody who's who's ever going to hold office, is go talk to your go talk to your constituents because they direct you to what's going on more than your own instincts do. Let's
0: dovetail for the sake of time. We have a lot still yeah, yeah. Let's talk about uh, policing a little bit yep. um, and, you know, creating, again, a friendly police force. I mean, yeah. honestly, I was, I've was, i been thinking about offering my stress management and uh, coaching services to yeah. the City yeah. of New York NYPD because I think that there's a culture there that has been very problematic in many ways, and there is a whole other culture simultaneous, that's really very friendly, yeah. and you know, um, New Yorker friendly. It's a funny kind of uh, chasm yeah. between them. And I would like to see actually more cops on the street yeah. getting to know you know the old officer yeah. Yeah. uh kind of motif, you know, who knows the people on the street, who know the people in the neighborhoods, and that is something that we've gotten so far away with.
1: Yeah. from
0: Sorry with all of the cars all over the place, they don't actually know the people, as well as cops who live outside of the city. Mm-hmm. That's its own mm-hmm. thing. I don't want to go too yep. deep into all yep. of that, but just in general, we also are, because of nine eleven and lots of reasons, technological, economic, etc., we're dealing with a lot of surveillance in the city these days, and that's a little upsetting to yep. people who know about what's going on in this respect. Yep. Your comments about the policing, what how you may yep. be able to interface with that as a city council member, and the question of surveillance and what's going yeah. on. Yeah, well,
1: first of all, you made a good point, which is that we want to make sure any any precinct in the city is really connected to the community and that the police force from it has good interactions with both the, with the leaders in it, but also the everyday people. Yes. In Peter cooper Stuyvesant Town, we have a public safety force that's not NYPD, pri- you know, more sure, private.
0: Security. Um,
1: yeah. yeah, but I, I think that they, in you know, a smaller sample size here, you know, have – you know, some people say there's not enough for them and stuff like that. But I think, like I, I know of a number of them and have relationships mm-hmm. with them, so I feel like I can reach out to them and we call do. them, and they're uh they're they're close and they're responsive. they're responsive. Good so people. So that's a, I mean that is a that's like the kind of relationship. A every, right. Mm-hmm. And um, but it's really because. We are a small neighborhood with a police you know, with this force, and they've gotten to know the area. But that really still is an example for what everybody should feel like their precinct is doing on any given day, is like on their corner, uh, taking care of different sort of quality of life issues, and that if you're walking home late at night, you know that there's some someone or something nearby that can uh, keep you safe and, you know, keep safety. I think that the last few years have really created this sort of, you know, dynamic in this city and other cities where there's uh, police are feeling stressed, they're feeling like a little bit in you know in jeopardy or under attack. And at the same time, you have these communities, a lot of communities who feel over policed and feel like, you know, and that, that dynamic has really taken, I think, front and center. It communities been, of color. Communities of color, in particularly, have felt over policed. I think that in New York City, they've taken some efforts to try to uh, resolve some of those issues, Good. you know, change some of the policing practice that led to that. Um, and we've so far not seen a change in, in real material change in our criminal, our, sort of our crime numbers to show that there's. Uh, like a mess of you know changing because we didn't we didn't keep doing the same stops and stuff like that. So I think that we have, we're trying to find the balance between all of them. What I think is that you know supporting the police for, for the stress management and services is fantastic for <laughs> for every job, yeah, including true. those who have a really tough job. Because I, I say this and it's, it's a cliche thing to say, but cops really do go out every day. Knowing that this could be, you know, the last day on the job, and that, and we had even a last couple of years, we had actually our young police officers just coming on the job for the first time didn't have a disability benefit that was, I thought, appropriate. Meaning, if they got hurt in the job, um, they they didn't they didn't have a sort of the full protection that other officers had. So you want to you obviously want to pay them. You want to unfair. It's unfair. They resolved it now, but um, but you want to give, make sure the cops, people who are even thinking about joining the force before they get on it, feel like this is like a job where I can, make a, I can make a living, I'm fully protected, and even the worst-case scenario that I will, or in a bad-case scenario, that, like, I'll have proper protections for me. And that will, I think, help with recruiting officers, and then we also want to make sure we're, we're putting people into communities where we feel like they can do the best job possible, that their community or otherwise. Um, the, the, and then I think at the city council level, they've focused a lot on changing some of the laws around policing so that, you know, communities feel like there's like a, a fairness and equal treatment. Um, on surveillance, I get concerned every time we hear that there's going to be increased surveillance of any sort of community or any sort of neighborhood or just to see it a large, um, I do understand we have a, we need to do Homeland security here. We have to do a lot of, um, a lot of keeping New York city protected from all scenarios. Even the recent one we heard, we, we saw a couple days ago. Well, what what are the trade offs we make in that? It's the eternal question, exactly. and I get concerned when we decide, you know, we're going to increase surveillance because, you know, it just feels like we are we are jeopardizing some of our basic principles of Americans and New Yorkers when we do that. And so, um,
0: all the more reason for self governance. By the way, there you go. All the more yeah. reason, and you know, uh, just a quick word because education, obviously, is another yeah. subject that yeah. you'll be dealing with as a city council member. Uh, and, you know, we have this emphasis on so-called intellectual development, but not on emotional development, yeah. not on character development. And, you know, I, in the work I do, I work with intellectual intelligence, and I do with emotional intelligence, and this is very yeah. important, and this is what is lacking. And the influx of The cell phone and device and mobile phone world has, I feel, unfortunately, seriously deteriorated the nervous systems, including the brains and the minds of so many of our younger people. And they have lost sight of moral compass, which is a form of emotional intelligence and maturity. So it's up to us, yeah. not
1: government. Yeah.
0: Up to us and government should probably help a little. <laughs> uh, yeah, and I, to I, develop. Yeah, right. and I, I by the way
1: I just kind of on a tangent here, mm-hmm. I I I think we are having a real emotional detachment, I think as a mid yeah. with I, right. the I, I I admit I use my phone a lot, but I think that sure. I think that the um, the, but you understand what I'm no, saying. No, I totally Tell understand it. it. By the way, yeah. I think I think that the our our rapid technology changes over the years have led to some sort of emotional detachment from people, where your interactions with people are less uh, in person. They are. You witness people's lives through a screen. I mean, you literally go onto Facebook and other right. things, and you really you know a lot about if people's infr- people without actually having no not to know much about them. And in in my campaign, I've talked to some. You know, I've met people on the street. We talked sure. to people out there uh, as I'm campaigning. And the one-on-one directions you have with people really are in, still important. In how they make decisions, how they evaluate uh, policies and people, and I fear that without really being able to read people's facial expressions and emotions and things like yes, that, we're missing, out. we're missing on the really human element of it. And very I'm, true. I'm, young. I'm, I am a young person in fear of that because I think it's going to get worse and worse. You're aware of it, yeah, I'm totally aware of it, yeah. And
0: we've got the five G that's about to come yeah. on, and there are very few of us who are aware of the powerful um, EMF yeah. physiological effects, neurophysiological effects of this new technology and there are going to be towers, etc. Mm. And we are getting deluged yeah. with EMF yeah. and the problem is that this leads very much to brain cancer. Right. Yeah. And this is documented. This, yeah. is not, this is scientifically and clinically proven what the relationships are. And I think that city council has to really take a look at this
1: rather than
0: letting these companies run roughshod over our health in reality.
1: Yeah. I think that, I think that for this is one of those issues too, where there's a, there's a, there's a lot of, there's been a lot of conversation on it and a lot of research and discussion on it, but we also are in the still the earliest years of a lot of this stuff. So we are, we are sort of, brought into different directions, the city does have authority over things like placement of uh, towers and we, and the city agencies give out permitting for that. And, yeah. and there's a rush to add more and to do more because of the impact Pressure. of the, the, the usage. Yeah.
0: yeah sure. And
1: so um, we should be, I think, always having some sort of ongoing way to sort of evaluate uh, impact, evaluate, you know, placement, and um, evaluate sort of how our sort of usage here is going to affect us long term. Because high, how many issues can you think of where we, you know, I mean, soda was a lot of them where we, everybody like thought, you know, and then you realize that high sugar content, not good for you. You know, a lot of the sort of, there's a lot of like these like sort of t- taken for granted moments as a as a city, as a country, as a state, you know, with a culture. Yeah. We have to constantly, I think, be making sure we're not taking, we're not, we're not being. We taking anything for granted and letting our uh-huh, sort of – uh, uh, and very true. And so, you know, I think the city, the state particularly, could be, you know, useful here in terms of doing oversight and, you know, some, some sort of auditing almost exactly. of, of – uh, yeah. well,
0: look, I can be of some help to you in some of these respects. Good.
1: I will, I, okay, I'll take you up on it.
0: My him. pleasure. Uh, last. Yeah. Um, not because it's really last, yeah. but because our time is almost out yep. and we've doubled what we thought. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've yeah. been you.
1: you very much. Yeah, it's I appreciate you. it. Thank you. This
0: is a very healthy conversation. Yeah, it's great. And people can really benefit by listening and learning yep. about how someone like yourself, your age, your your generation and everything, is thinking about these very important seminal issues, honestly. Yep. So I'd like to ask you for. Uh, now about the environment Mm. and solarizing New York City wind turbines that can be done in a very sensitive aesthetic way um, and reducing air pollution and there are ways and I'm a better world has access to all of these technologies to make a difference and I'd love to hear someone on city council talk about really becoming
1: a leader
0: a leader in the country Yep. For creating an environmentally and humane city across the board. Yeah,
1: but huge priority in the, in New York City should be in the next couple of years, making us ready to uh, be more about, be a leader in, on environmental issues, climate change, uh, being innovative and creative. A, because we have the talent and the resources here to do it. We are uh, an example that can be demonstrated throughout to other cities. Uh, I'll just. Give you one crazy idea I had, which we did. We saw other cities doing floating solar panels. We're in China, yeah, New Jersey, I did, I did, and That's I actually great. did. I actually did an op-ed about how New York City could utilize floating solar, starting with our city reservoir, our upstate reservoirs, where we could actually use underutilized space to do floating solar. Um, to um, the amount of capacity you could do from the Central Park one, although aesthetically unpleasing to many, would actually you could power the surrounding neighborhood or even Central Park just using those types of energy, so um, we're
0: thinking along the same line yeah. we're just about out of time, yeah. I want you to give your website, yeah, just, so people can come sure.
1: thank you, it's Keith Powers at www.keithpowers.nyc everything's up there, you can take a look, and I uh, appreciate taking the time with me, it's been, it's been great thanks a
0: lot, yeah, thank you have you on A Better World? This is your host, Mitchell J. Rabin. Thank you so much for joining us. Visit me at www.abetterworld.tv and write to me. Give me your thoughts and feelings about the shows at mjr at abetterworld.net I look forward to seeing you all next